Good morning. Thank you, pastors. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you feel right now, but I feel like I'm still on on an emotional high just through worship. I just feel you feel good right now. I I feel like I just went through like a therapeutic session where like I just feel so peaceful, man. Um, you know, there's something about being able to to come to a place where there's already this atmosphere. Um, where Jesus is just lifted up, and it just feels like every every problem, every situation that's going on, maybe every distraction that's maybe heavy on your heart, just like all, like has peace, you know, just as the Lord is lifted up. And so, just thank you so much, worship team, for just creating an atmosphere where um, where we can come before the Lord. Uh, I want to say thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity to be able to speak. It's such an honor anytime just to be able to uh, to visit a church. And whether you're, you're visiting from overseas in Germany, like our friends that I got to meet this, this morning, or coming here for the first time, um, I feel like you're always at home whenever you're with God's people. Um, so I got the amazing opportunity around two years ago to be able to come and visit you guys for the first time. And at those times, uh, I, was, I was single. I was, um, you know, still looking, hopefully, that, you know, one day God would bring someone into my life. But um, since then, there's been a few things that have changed just a little more than two months ago. So, or just, just two months now, um, I, I've been married. Mariana, would you mind just standing up real quick? Yeah. This is, this is my beautiful wife, Mariana. She's originally uh, was born in Peru and um, has lived in the United States for some time. We got to meet through a friend's Christmas party. And I won't take a long time, but can I just like brag on the Lord really quick through my, through my wife? Uh, I've been serving now uh, as a missionary at the University of Texas for, for the last five years. And before ever meeting Mariana, I think I had like a really good idea of the kind of qualities that I would eventually one day want to have in in a wife, but the Lord has been good to me. Um, I I just feel so thankful that one of the things, if I could say anything about my wife, uh, I know for a fact that she loves the Lord more than she loves me. She's more committed to honoring him, um, having integrity um, than than pleasing me, and so I'm I'm so thankful to have uh, a woman of integrity a woman of great character, and as we're on campus ministering to students, I just feel like she she's such a great role model for um, the young ladies that are in our community to be able to know the Lord. So, you know, it's it's a blessing to live for the Lord with with someone who um, desires to honor. So, thank you so much, baby. You're you're a treasure. You're a treasure. So, thanks for letting me brag on my wife. That's. Um, so I know that most of you right now are very used to Pastor Mike coming up here looking, you know, much better than I do with like nice slacks, button-up shirt and tie or jacket, you know, just making it look good. But and maybe it looks at the moment like I'm a little underdressed for, for the occasion, but I was told to come prepared in a costume representing the, uh, the people group that I was reaching. So, I mean, do you have any Longhorn fans in the, in the room? Yeah. It's okay if some of you are just secretly, maybe you're not secret, you're, you're Aggie fans. It's okay. This is a safe place. My wife was an Aggie, so, you know, we, be, we try to become all things to all people. So this is safe atmosphere. Um, but I want to just tell you just very briefly some of the things about the ministry that we're a part of um, at the University of Texas. And so, as I said, that really our, our desire, our heart, our, our passion 
is to be able to connect with students and, and really just be able to love on them and serve them. That's, that's really our desire. And so kind of sometimes the way that that looks like is maybe if you're, if you're a parent, you already have had uh, some kids go to, to school already, and you already know the hassle and the burden of trying to move all of their stuff into their dorm room. Do we have any witnesses in here? Has anyone experienced that? Um, one of the things that we love to do is we love to be able to meet families um, as their students are coming to the university, meet them at the dorm the very first moment that they arrive on campus, help them move into their dorm. And really all throughout the week, we have just several fun social activities just to kind of hang out and, and really let them be connected within a community. How many of you know that being a part of a community really does can help change your life, you know? Um, so it's really our desire to be able to build relationships, just love students, find out ways that we can just really practically meet their needs. Sometimes practically meeting their need means taking them to Walmart because uh, they ran out of groceries at home. Um, and so we send them do things like that. Um, we also have a lot of things that we do within our community that are very specifically reaching out to the international students who come from all over the world um, at the university to study. Most of the time, these are the world's nations, um, the nations, or the world, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. Uh, this is the world's smartest and the brightest students who come here to get an education and ultimately go back to their home. So we, we have things where we get together with them, help teach them English, serve them, um, and just, yeah, really intentionally try to be able to meet their needs, but ultimately introduce them to the love of Jesus. And so um, I know one of the things that this is a value within this community is, is life groups, and that, that's something that you all have here. And so it's actually also something that is a huge value within uh, the community that we have on campus. And what that looks like is we have students who have come through our ministry. We've loved on them, discipled them, and really trained them um, to be able to reach their peers, the people in their dorm, uh, their roommates, the people in their classes. And so each week we'll have at least one time a week where guys with guys, girls with girls, they'll come together usually between four of the ten in a group and come spend time, eat together. How many of you say, like, God can do a lot of things through food, amen? <laughs> you know, I will, I will come to a Bible study for, for a tostada or, or whatever it is. By the way, whoever's, whoever made the tostadas yesterday, not only does the Lord love you, I, I love you. God, God bless you. God bless you. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll do things like that, and um, I think it's a really great way for people to build deep relationships. And I know that that's a value here as well, that you know, while it's amazing to be able to come together as a whole body of Christ, really where I think the transformation happens is when life on life, when people come in life groups and experience friendship, experience the love of Jesus, it can really grow. So these are some of the things that we have going on as well as weekly services on Tuesdays for undergrad students and graduate students on, on Fridays. And real quick, I'll just give you one testimony. Uh, just This is very recent, actually. We had a student who uh, I got to meet maybe back in January, and he was, he's a smart, he's a smart guy. He's, he's studying aerospace engineering, so it really is rocket science. Um, so uh, we got to meet with him, and I, he started talking to me, opening up a little bit, and he just said this, is like, I've noticed that I see so many people that know Jesus, and they're just so happy. Like, they, they really, like, noticeably, like, there's something that's different about them. And he just started to open up again and said, like, really, where I'm at this moment in my life, 
I don't feel like I have a lot of happiness or a lot of things to really feel joy about. Like, I, I'm not there. And I, I want um, that life that, like, I see in them. And I don't know what's different about them, but would you, you know, meet with me and maybe tell me, um, you know, what makes, what makes you so different? And I was like, well, I, I guess so. No, no, I said, yes, of course, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be there. And so kind of fast-tracking to present day now, uh, his name is Andrew. He's one of the guys that's connected in the life group that I lead. But he came to he came to the Lord, um, and ultimately like gave his life to the Lord. And now this guy who um, originally you know was you know so down all the time, never smiled. I mean, like he's like the life of the party. This guy just smiles all the time. You know, he's he's a fun guy to be able to be around. But he just, he tells me all the time, man, I just want my family. I want my friends to be able to experience what God's done in my life. And so it was, it's, it's amazing to be able to, to just love on people and to ultimately see the things that Jesus does in their life. And so, um, so it's, it's such a great opportunity to be able to be on campus. Thank you for your prayer support uh, for this church community, just loving on myself and my wife, Mariana. Um, you're such a huge blessing. So hopefully that gives you maybe just another introduction really quick of you know, who we are and what we're doing, um, I want to encourage you today that I believe that this is such an amazing place of hope. Um, there's something that's special here, and I want to just kind of elaborate on that, because I, I don't say it lightly or just say it just, you know, word fluff. Maybe it feels warm fuzzies on the inside, but like it's not true. Mariana is really good at knowing that if I say something, <laughs> you know, it, I won't, I won't lie to you. I'll, I'll be super straight, honest with you. But I believe that this is a place that is special. I'm going to be reading from a, a passage in the Bible um, that's in the New Testament. The, the Bible is really divided up into really two main parts. One's the Old Testament, the other the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's really kind of from the life and the beginning of Jesus, whenever he comes on the scene, you know, all the way through just everything that happened afterwards. And there's a man who specifically is writing uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and his name is Paul. I want to give you just like a really quick uh, download overview of who, who Paul is, what he's like. This is a man who at one time in his life so adamantly believed that Jesus was not only not God, but was completely against anyone who, who was a follower of Jesus, who, who claimed to um, want to know God um, in, in that regard, that he was so violently opposed to it that he would actually be the person who would go to the cities where believers were at. He would drag them out, either try to throw them into prison or honestly help um, help kill them. There's one such instance that, that's kind of mentioned where there's a, an early up-and-coming leader named uh, Stephen, and Paul not only um, goes and finds him, but he actually helps organize this event where he encourages others to stone and ultimately kill uh, Stephen, all the while where he's sitting there holding, holding their coats. So this is, this is, this is Paul one day, Paul encounters Jesus, and Jesus completely transforms his entire life. 
And it's a whole lot more than just this idea that Paul came to know the Lord, but Jesus changed his life so much that this man who was violently opposed to Christ, violently opposed to anyone who believed that Jesus was God, now becomes their greatest advocate. He, he, he goes on this, basically like this rampage of planting churches, of writing many of the books that are found uh, in the New Testament. He was the author who, who wrote them. Some of them were in prison. And ultimately, we see at the very end of Paul's life, Paul is so convinced that Jesus is God, that he's Lord, that he ultimately gives his life to him. He's, he's beheaded and dies for for his faith of Jesus that is God. So can I just say, Paul, Paul's an interesting guy. You know, he's, a, he's a person whose life is very compelling. Just like what happened in Paul's life that you know, did this whole huge transformation. And it's not only just that this passage that we're about to read, that the person who writes it you know, is, is intriguing, but it's also the significance of specifically the passage. This is probably one of... Um, the passages that is maybe the most beautiful and poetic in all of Scripture. It was one of the ones, honestly, that was um, read over and said as, as Mariana and I got married. And it's generally referred to as a biblical definition of what love is. Um, so much that is actually called the love chapter. And it's with that that I want to um, begin reading. So if you want to just close your eyes, bow your heads, we're just going to go before the Lord, pray over his word, and, and dig in. Amen. Um, thank you, Jesus, for this amazing opportunity, God, to be with your people, Lord, and just to seek your face. God, no one here is here to hear anything that I have to say. God, that's not going to go very far, but I just thank you, Jesus, that your words are powerful, um, God, that they change lives. And so more than anything today, God, my desire is that you would be lifted up, that your name would be praised, that all attention, all glory, God, would just be on you, Jesus. And I just pray that as you are lifted up high, just like earlier in worship, God, that there will be such an atmosphere, Lord, of peace and hope that fills this room. We just say things in your name, amen. The purpose that I want to really go into this verse before we do. Again, if, you're, if you have your Bible with you, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. I think um, some of you may have a different version, which is, which is awesome, but um, the purpose that I want to kind of begin today is with this. As a church, as a community, that is really a place of hope um, for this neighborhood, for, for Austin, um, for countless individuals across the world that your lives are going to touch um, through others and some through yourselves. I want to challenge us today is what does it look like to be a church that's influential? What does it look like to be a church that um, meets the needs of our community, that sees life transformation happen all around us. People who are maybe stuck in depression, now their lives are filled with joy because they've encountered Jesus. What does it look like to leave a mark on this place, to ultimately leave a legacy that future generations, long after this moment, ultimately are, are blessed because of the efforts that we give to the Lord today, our offering to God. What does it look like to leave a legacy? What does it look like as a church to be on mission, to be purposeful for the things that God has? And um, 
As we begin with that thought, I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, starting with verses 1 through 3. It says this, If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but if I did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Man, if, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of, of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that, that I could move mountains, but I did not love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it. But if I did not love others, I would have gained nothing. Um, in this passage, I think that it's so interesting that Paul starts this, this entire conversation um, and sometimes of the ways our perceptions are of what it means to be used by God. This idea of what it means to be great in God's kingdom, to make an impact, to leave a legacy. And he starts off with some of these assumptions, um, maybe that the people who were hearing him for the first time had. But honestly, some assumptions that many of us here today still have. And he starts off with this, this idea of saying, that if you could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't have love, it would be a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. I want to speak to that. I, I love that Paul starts off by making an impact on people's lives. It doesn't just come from being a good communicator. Um, you, you can be really eloquent. And, and fancy, elaborate in the way that you're able to present the gospel, maybe even have clarity as you speak that people can understand, that they can listen and really hear. But at the end of the day, if that's your idea, that if my life is going to be impactful for Jesus, I need to be eloquent, I need to be a good communicator, Paul immediately dismisses this and he says that if that's all you are, if that's what your devotion, your offering to God looks like, if you don't love people, you're just a lot of noise. And you're just a lot of noise, but there's no impact. And he, he goes a little bit further. He says, if I had the gift of prophecy and if understanding all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. Maybe for you, your idea of greatness, if your life is going to be impactful, if you're going to do great things for God, you are going to leave a legacy. Maybe your idea of being great for Jesus means that you really just need to be someone who's so well studied, so wise, that you just have complete understanding. I, I was... Uh, I was looking at this and I was just like, oh my goodness, I, I can't even imagine how amazing, you know, it would be to be someone that you understood all God's secret plans. You know, that, to me, that, that sounds pretty great. That sounds like someone who's wise, but at the end of the day, Paul shuts it down. But before wrap it up, he, he also says this, and if I had such faith that I could move a mountain but didn't love others, I would be nothing. In just a minute, we're going to talk about the power of faith and what it is. But it's so interesting that as significant as what faith is that we're getting ready in just a second to talk about, Paul even shuts that down. 
And he says, if you think being great for the Lord and having an impact is based on how wise you are, or even, dare I say, how much faith in God you have, but if that faith in God doesn't translate to loving people, your faith is useless. Your wisdom is useless. It's pointless. It doesn't matter how much knowledge about God you have or how much faith you have that he is who he says it was. You can't love God without loving people. I love it that in the word that it talks about, and by this, all people will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. The very context, can I just say the very context for knowing who God is who someone is, that they really know Jesus. You know, if you can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't love my brother or my neighbor. Like, there is no connection to that. To love Jesus means that I love my brother, that I love my neighbor, that I love the person who doesn't even love me. I love the person who's, who wants to be my enemy. I'm going to love them because by loving the people around me shows that I actually know Jesus. I challenge you today that if you have faith, and you would even say that I have great faith in who God is, what he's capable of, but you have a hard time loving people, maybe it's with animosity, maybe it's with bitterness, I challenge you to say, is your faith really a substance of something that's going to leave a legacy? To leave a legacy, it starts by loving the people around us, not just saying we believe in God, but really being active in loving, just like the things that you guys are already doing. We go a little bit further in verse 3. It says, if I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I would have gained nothing. And I think maybe sometimes this idea of what it means to leave a legacy, to be a church that's on mission, is all within the context of how much we can give. If I could just give the most money, more than any other person, then that's how I leave an impact. And while your money that you give is great and that's valuable, maybe you have this idea that really being great for God is, is me becoming a martyr, someone who, who dies for the Lord, that that's what greatness and leaving an impact is. Can I just say that it's great to give and that's amazing. It's great to ultimately sacrifice your life for the Lord. But if you, life is not filled with love for others and serving them, if it's done for any other reason, all the money that you give is worthless. And even the claims that you would make to boast about the sacrifices that you do, if it's done with the wrong motivation, it's pointless. The context for what it means to love, what it means to be used by God, is all completely surrounded by this idea that to love God, I must love my neighbor. And I think the beautiful picture about this, maybe even something that I would immediately jump off from this moment, is to say that Paul, if, if loving someone is such a huge deal, if, if being loving to those around me is so important, what does that look like? And I think it's with that same question that Paul anticipated in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, and writes and pens maybe one of the most beautifully eloquent, poetic Verses in all of scripture, it's, it, it's amazing. And he defines 
this biblical definition of what God's love looks like. And he says, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, again, I'm reading in the New Living Translation in this verse. It says that love, love is patient. And love, love is kind. And love is not jealous. It's not boastful or, or proud or, or rude. Man, it does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It, it, does, it doesn't rejoice about the injustice, but actually it rejoices when the truth wins out. Love, love doesn't give up. It never gives up. It, it never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You know, there's something completely different that I've experienced now that I'm being married is how much that I used to think that I had everything together. You know, I, I really did think, you know, there's a lot of these things. God, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good, right? You know, I, I've got it down. But I think that there's something that is amazing about marriage, that it's like God has given you this wonderful, beautiful gift of this individual that's almost like a mirror, And whenever you look at them, whenever you spend time with them, when you talk with them, it's like almost you can see the reflection of your love to them in your life. Man, I I realized in marriage that sometimes I'm irritable, you know? I I, I mean, like sometimes I'm straight up, I'm irritable. Um, There's some times that I'd like to say in front of all of you that I've got it all together and I don't keep any records of wrong, but don't ask Mariana that question because I do. I, I, I do. Sometimes my love is pretty rude. Um, it's not always gentle. It's not always sweet. Um, it's not always patient. And unfortunately, Mariana sometimes gets the brunt end of, you know, all the ungodliness, the, maybe the demonic manifestations that are in my heart that, you know, she, she sees. But the beautiful thing is that you know, even in marriage, is that God gives you the opportunity that in your relationship, that it's an opportunity to grow. It's like, I'm not perfect today, but with God as my help, I want to love you and represent Jesus to you and be more patient and more kind, more gentle um, as the Lord works in my life. But we, we see this beautiful demonstration of really what God is calling all of us to do, not just with our significant other, but really in every single relationship. You know, it's one thing, can I just say this? It's really easy for me to look at my, my beautiful wife and just be able to say, I am committed, you know, to being patient with you. I'm committed to being loving. I'm committed to not being rude and not holding wrongs to the one person in my entire life that I made a decision to spend the rest of my life with. It's another thing with other people, you know, you don't always have that same motivation. Like, I want to love, love you the same way that I'm committed to loving Mariana. But the honest truth is 1 Corinthians 13, while it's so beautifully used often as a wedding passage, it is not a wedding passage. It's a life passage in the way that God's called us to love everyone. And so I want to I move to this thought really quick. Um, it just says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, and now these th- three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. I want to see if I can wrap up very quickly um, today. 
I've read this so many times in my life and maybe just glanced over it, but I've never seen it the way that I felt like I saw it as I was preparing for, for today. I almost feel like that there's this natural progression in this passage, but it's in reverse order. Um, ultimately, I feel like the greatest way that we really do please God, which is even actually in Hebrews 11.6, is through faith. And it says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Man, there's something that's powerful about faith. We see moment after moment after moment in the New Testament where people came to Jesus in faith and God met their needs. There's the woman with the issue of blood who her whole life had spent all of her money, all of her time going to doctors, trying to be healed, but all the while just got worse and worse and worse. And whenever she touched Jesus, immediately she was healed. And Jesus replied to her in Mark 5, 34. And he says, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace for your suffering is over. We ultimately know that because of faith, it's how we have a relationship with God at all. Um, In Ephesians 8 and 9, it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves is the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. So faith is a big deal. I think it's our desire as the body of Christ to say we desire that this city, that this neighborhood would come to faith in Christ, that they would see him as our Lord and Savior. That being said, when you really break down faith, what is it? And this was where we're headed. Faith is the confidence um, (laughs) that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us an assurance of things that we can't see. Do you realize that you cannot have faith Unless you first have hope. Faith, belief comes from a confidence of hope that someone already has. And I just want to hopefully try to bring this plane in for a landing. When we think about missions and being impactful in this community and really ultimately making a legacy for future generations, for your children, we want them to have faith but sometimes people can't even have faith because they don't have any hope. It's hard to have faith when you don't have a lot of hope. When you lose your job and you don't know where money is coming to, to buy groceries next week, it's, it's a little hard to have hope. And whenever your marriage is in trouble and it feels like the only thing that you ever do is fight and argue and bicker and go at each other, It's hard to have hope. Whenever you see your loved ones that you care so deeply about, maybe your children, maybe your grandchildren, and you see them making bad decisions in their life, and you see them going down a road that you know is not good for them, no, they're not listening. It's hard to have hope. We want people to have faith in Jesus, but sometimes before they can ever come to a place of having faith in who God is, they just need some hope. They need some hope. They need the hope that knows that no matter what they're going through, that there is a God that will never leave them or forsake them, that he'll be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. They need to have a confidence that when they go through a situation that is hard, 
man, and maybe it doesn't look around them like there is any hope at all, that there is a God who is their refuge, that you can go to him in a time of need and know that he's there for you, know that you're not alone, know that, man, God will meet your need. You can know that whenever you're fighting and arguing in your marriage, that God is, is like that glue that just comes between both of you and pulls you together as you seek after him. Like I know even after two, two months of marriage, Jesus is our cornerstone. If I don't have him, I am not going to be loving to her. People need hope, but the way that they get hope is when they experience love. You guys are such a beautiful church, such a beautiful church, such a, a great demonstration of Jesus in this community. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. But if we're going to reach those in this neighborhood, if we're going to reach those overseas, if they're going to have faith ultimately that Jesus is who he is, they need hope. Can I just congratulate you that you are the hope of this city. You are the hope of this neighborhood that God has given you the ability to go into dark places and love people, to connect with them where they are, to share Jesus with, and ultimately have their lives transformed. But it starts off with making a deliberate decision that I will have a life that leaves a legacy. I'm sick and tired of just living frivolously for everything, building up all of my schedule with busyness, I need to be deliberate that if my life is going to be impactful, man, then I need to be focused on the things of the Lord. Guys, I know that your schedule is busy. Can I, and I'm wrapping up. This is, this is the end. But I know that sometimes your schedules are busy between football practice, basketball practice, ballet practice, and everything else, man, it just doesn't seem like there's enough time in the day, does it? Man, I don't even have kids. And I joke around with Mariana. It's like, can you imagine what things are going to be like when we have kids? Like, I can't. Like, we don't even have time now. We used to think that we had, like, moments, like, you know, to just do whatever we want to. And it's like, where did the time go? And we're, we don't even have kids. Um, life is busy. But that being said, man, can we just not make a commitment that as a community, as, as a body of Christ, to get behind in the busyness of being active for the Lord? Man, I know that your pastor has so many opportunities for you to be able to connect and practically minister to people. There's so many opportunities that if the Lord has blessed you financially, you know, maybe you have more, you know, than just to pay the bills, and that God can use your life even to sow seed into a group in Africa. Maybe they don't even have hope because they, because their their family is dying of AIDS. Maybe they don't have hope because they don't even have clean well water. But you can love on them, meet their needs, and ultimately give them the hope that brings them to faith. Closing with this statement: You are a beautiful, amazing body of believers who you have so much hope that is in this place. You represent lives that have been transformed by Jesus. You represent people who've encountered God and now you have hope that you never had before. You have faith in God because once upon a time someone loved you and met your needs.
I challenge you today to be a loving community full of the purposes of God to love a neighborhood, to love a city, to love a world. 